You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup clubs house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wellness wednesday we discuss mental health wellness and life skills on thursday we do live book reads and discussions with the author and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda Start your day off on the right foot, on the front foot, with virtual coffee, with the Collective Cafe, where we mastermind, we manifest, we collaborate, we help one another at the business of Web3 or anything else that intersects, whether it's culture, collaboration, creativity, innovation, disruption, entrepreneurship, or coaching. So give us a subscribe, bit.ly forward slash Collective Cafe to go, or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe good morning good morning everybody it is Tuesday, September 26th, 8.02 a.m. And I'm going to ask you a very important question. Can you hear me? If you can hear me, give me a little emoji that says that you can hear me in the clubhouse. And I'll tell you why I'm asking this question in a moment. Let's see. There is a... Uh, yep. Christopher John Martin says he can, he can hear me. Vivek is not quite sure as well. The reason I asked, and uh, and and Dan uh, Dan has given me a thumbs up as well in Discord. No, I you should hope you can hear me in Discord. Praxim is there as well. Um, I got the new iPhone, and as I was about to plug in the phone today um, into my roadcaster, suddenly I realized, wait a second, um, there uh, there isn't the the connection that I used to have so like it it's gone from I don't know USB C or USB it's gone from one to something else so luckily there was actually a USB C um, slot at the at the back of the roadcast and that's the one that I actually I guess plug into what do I even plug it into oh you know what a sec you know what I realized uh, <laughs> that's not good um, I think what I just did is wait a second 
hold on a second. I think I just replaced the actual, um, I think I replaced the wrong chord. So, no, I didn't. I didn't. I'm completely, I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, no, I did. Um, so what is plugged into my laptop right now is actually what I unplugged into my roadcaster. Um, but I guess what, you, what you're hearing on Discord, this is very confusing. So Discord is hearing me, but not probably hearing me through the microphone, just hearing me through the laptop, which is fine. Um, and Clubhouse is hearing me fine through, I'll get it right tomorrow. You know, technology, technology, as Ali G says. Um, and my dog is barking outside because he's not happy about the fact, exactly, first world podcaster problems. And now the dog is barking. So you know what I'm going to do? Let's just, let's just keep it real today. Let me open up my door and let my dog in. Hold on a second. I'll give you the, uh, the Collective Cafe song. Okay, so the dog is now inside sitting very uh, calmly and patiently and loyally at my feet and not barking anymore. Uh, you are listening in Discord. Those of you that are in Discord can actually just hear me through the computer, so that works. And, uh, and good morning to everyone else in the room. Oliver, Vivek, Dr. Bahaman, Jenny Toe, and Eli. What we're still witnessing right now is the fact that... Um, you know, talk about technology since Clubhouse, uh, I guess, updated their algorithm again. Uh, what's happened now is that is that being in Startup Club is actually, you know, not producing what, what used to be. Uh, this happened, this started, I guess, on Wednesday, maybe. So Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, um, we didn't do a, um, a show yesterday. And then today, um, no one's being pinged. And so what they've actually told us to do is try and message through the hallway. It's, it's, it's all quite confusing, but I don't care because you're here and that's all that's important. And so we're just going to hang out. You know, it's just a, a small group of us and that's, that's totally fine. You know, I don't need um, – my, my approach has always been uh, to have 500 people in the room, which is what we used to have uh, before they changed the algorithm – I just, it's not, it's not ego for me. It's just 500 people have the ability to start their day off on the front foot, on the right foot, while they're on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, walking the dog, um, commuting to the big bad city. That's the goal here. And for me, this keeps me current. It keeps me on my toes. It keeps me sharp. And I end up with great content as well. And so I hope you enjoy today. I wanted to talk today, I mean, besides uh, we we could probably riff on the whole idea of technology and progress, etc., and how you know challenging it can always be. Like like the new iPhone, right? So I got the new iPhone. See absolutely zero. Ben, I don't know anything that's different besides actually make it more difficult now to connect. Um, but this is sometimes the price we pay for progress. Francine, Doctor Francine Hardaway, who's quite a a regular on on Clubhouse. Um, she almost calls it like this necessary acceptable tax. Um, I don't view it that way. I mean, I actually don't like the fact that we should be punished as 
as innovators or early adopters. I think we should be rewarded for being first and early, not have to say, well, you know what, that's the price you pay for being an innovator or an influencer. Well, you know, I went out and spent X amount of hundreds of dollars or thousands of dollars to buy Vision Pro Quest or, or Oculus or Google Glass, and then people call me a glass hole or a glass hole. Um, I, I don't think you should always, I think you should be prepared you know, to I think you should always be prepared that something is going to go to zero, right? But that shouldn't be the expectation, or it shouldn't be, um, uh, you know, it shouldn't be accepted as the default. And <clears throat> the reason I say that is I wanted to um, talk about a study that just came out. Actually, I've seen it now in my inbox several times. Uh, Brian Solis, I'm going to paste uh, the the comment <clears throat> into the um, the cafe chat in discord and i'm going to do the same here by the way if you do want to uh, you see that link above discord.gg forward slash alpha collective every day we get one or two people that join us um, this is the actual home of uh, the collective cafe which means when i'm away or traveling um, it always takes place in discord and we have some of our regulars like uh, like actually christopher john Martins, who I think ran the session yesterday. Maybe we'll have him come up a little bit later and give us a bit of a debrief. Um, <clears throat> but uh, that's where you want to be most of the time. And you can choose to listen either in Clubhouse um, or Discord. The advantage of Discord is we have more uh, control. Um, you know, we can message each other. We can provide links a lot easier, including video and uh, and photos, GIFs, etc. Um, so anyway, so I've just posted Brian's... Um, uh, tweet. I'll read it to you for those of you that are not reading right now, that are like, you know, literally running or whatever. Uh, 95% of non-fungible tokens are now worthless. According to a re, uh, a re, according to a report, report, why did I say report? A report published by Dap Gamble, the NFT market has essentially collapsed. Of the 73,257 73, NFT collections studied, 69,000 795 of them have a market cap of zero ETH. Zero. Just let that settle in. That is insane. 69,795. Let me do the math because I'm very, very bad at math. Uh, 69,795 divided by 73,257. Well, I mean... I mean, it did say 95% above. I'm off my game because, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't here yesterday. 95% have a market cap of zero. The hype around NFTs peaked in the 21-22 bull run that saw nearly $2.8 in monthly trading volume recorded in August 2021. Data from the block reveals a weekly traded value of around $80 million in July 2023, just 3% of its peak back in August 2021. This, there simply wasn't or isn't enough demand to keep up with supply. Of the collections identified, only 21% had 100% plus ownership. This means that 79% of all NFT collections, or almost four out of every five, have remained unsold. Dap Gamble also reviewed the top 8,850 NFT collections, according to CoinMarketCap, 18% of these top collections have a floor price of zero. 41% of the top NFTs are modestly priced between $5 and $100, 
which may signal a lack of perceived value among these digital assets. Less than 1% of these NFTs boast a price tag of over $6,000, a total departure from the million-dollar deals during the boom. Though the unrealistic hype could never be sustained, but the future of NFTs um, is still very much in play. Now, I'm going to come back to the future in a moment, uh, but let's let's spend a little bit of time talking about the past. Let's talk about the hype. Um, the, in the actual article, and I'll, I'll post that as well, the original um, article, this for some reason is on digital market news. I did see a stat that was very interesting to me, and I'm, I'm going to put that into the... Um, the chat, um, also in Clubhouse. So let me tell you, let me see if I can find it quickly because, um, hold on, I'm just skimming through it. Um, the same. It was something actually to do with how many people were involved. Um, hold on, I'll find it now. Maybe I lost it. Um, because it was kind of interesting to me. Um, no, I think it's the same points that he made. Um, but yeah, no, I I thought I saw something that that to me was was kind of an interesting point. So a, a lot of, I mean, first of all, let's look let's look at the numbers, right? Seventy seventy. Um, 3,000 collections, 73,000 collections. That is a, a huge, huge number. I mean, maybe what we should do is, is if we had to think about, let's say, benchmarks, right? Think of launching 73,000 apps, right? Mobile apps. Every time there is a land grab or every time there is a gold rush, everyone's going to want to get in on the deal. And for every one of these collections, right, these are, you know, um, there was art. There was, you know, there was there were smart contracts. Um, there were whitelists. There were community managers, um, and there were a ton of rugs as well. No doubt. I mean, there were rugs that actually happened like there and then, like day one, day two, day zero, day three, um, where people just took the money and ran. Um, so there were like bad rugs, right? By the way, uh, just shout out to Doctor um, uh, Anesthesia. Uh, uh, who is now in first position in my room. According to that, you are top left as well. Um, um, So, you know, you had pure rugs, and then you had what I would call uh, kind of accidental rugs. Um, These were people that that panicked. I mean, you know, I mean, if we look at this, I mean, and we will, we will study this from an ethnographic standpoint, and we'll say, well, what actually happened here? This was a time when there was absolutely a land grab, when there was a gold rush, when everyone believed that, and it happened, we saw it, where there were gas wars, where, you know, collections collections would sell out within seconds and floor prices would soar. And and everyone just believed. This is what I, I wrote about in, even in the new book. I said, you know, when times are good, you never ever think that they will be anything but good. And when they're bad, you have absolutely no hope that they will ever become good again. So it's amazing. There's the, this hubris, this like this complacency, this overconfidence when things are good. You you never believe that that things are ever going to dip. Um, and then when things are bad, you have almost zero faith and hope. So you you go into this idea of of like complete hubris to complete hopelessness. 
Um, and, and you just never believe things are going to be okay again. Right now, probably some of us look at that. We look at the price of ETH, or we look at the price of SOL, or we look at the price of, of Bitcoin, or we just look at these collections from this data, and we're like, it's never, ever going to be better again. We're over. It's doomed. We're finished. You know, and, and the reality is, is that history, history 100% unequivocally um, will say that we're wrong. That's absolutely not the case. I mean, we have rebounded from recessions and depressions and a great depression. We've rebounded from economic, just bigger than NFTs, clearly, than blockchain, than, than, than digital, than just in general. We've, we've rebounded from these massive, massive holes and gaps and, and downtimes and downturns. Um, but, I mean, is there anyone here that actually uh, has 100% faith and hope that we are going to get back into a bull market, which everyone's talking about. Um, I mean, I even, you know, I and Dr. Anesthesia just came into our Discord. Thank you. Um, um, I even have my doubts. Every day I look and I go, geez, when, when, when are we going to see this rebound? Are we going to see a rebound? And the fact is, when we think about all of this, um, you know, Praxim in, in the Discord, um, you know, makes a, a very true point and a very astute point. Um, which is, uh, I think a bunch of them started with this AK money grab. And the problem, of course, again, is that when we actually look back and we debrief and we unpack it, you know, the signs were there, but we didn't see them because we didn't want to see them. You know, the signs were <clears throat> that these collections were founded by people that were not docs. We had no idea who they were. We didn't know their track record. They didn't have a LinkedIn Profile. We didn't have any sense as to how many, what their credentials were, how many collections they'd, you know, they they'd successfully launched or companies. I mean, today, you know, you wouldn't invest in a company if you didn't know the founders' track record. You know, if you didn't know their credentials, if you didn't know, um, you know, what they'd done in the past. Uh, you know, whether it was their, um, whether it was their. Um, uh, you know their corporate background or their their fundraising background or how many companies they'd they'd raised money for or taken public or flipped or sold etc cetera, etc cetera. and yet somehow again we we suspended our disbelief and we trusted the untrusted we trusted um you know I'll 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 tell you it's it's so funny um I'm going to go into my into my uh, streamyard um interface my my kind of dashboard where I do my show, Joseph Jaffe is not famous. And, uh, you know, there is one thing, and I, I, I don't remember who said it to me, uh, but I never deleted it. I put it on as a banner. Um, maybe I just deleted it like a week ago, but I don't think I did. I just want to read it to you. Um, so I'm going into that right now. And let's see um, today's show. And let's see. So we've got to go to do, 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 um, here it is. How I'm just going to paste it. And, and this was like, I'm, I'm telling you, this was like well over a year ago, maybe like a year and a half. Like if I do a search for it, um, I'll probably find it um, in terms of searching. Um, but I, I want to just go and find it um, for you. And then, uh, and then um, maybe, um, Hold on. Uh, I'm going to post it. I'm going to post it. Do, 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 do. I'm doing such a bad job of multitasking this morning. So here's the quote. Um, I posted it into our Discord. And now I'm going to post it into Clubhouse. 
How do you bring integrity to the process of speculation? That was something that was asked and it was mentioned, like I'm telling you, 18 months ago. How do you bring integrity to the process of speculation? Because for the most part, that's all we were doing. That's all this was. It was speculation. It was hope. It was, you know, hope is not a strategy. Um, and the reality and the reality is that we were, you know, probably dealing with, you know, no disrespect to 23-year-old dudes, but we were probably dealing with 23-year-old dudes who were, you know, either in college or just out of college. Maybe they they were working in investment banking and they're like, wait a second, we can absolutely easily come and make a lot of money. And, 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 you know, there were all these roadmaps and all the roadmaps spoke about the same thing and they were going to be in the metaverse and they were going to come up with a token. And, you know, and, and maybe let's just say in the majority of, of these cases, let's just say that, that all of this was true, that they really did have high hopes. They really did have, um, you know, um, they did have, have absolutely, um, you know, a desire to, to, to execute on, this roadmap, but things changed. You know, winter came. Um, you know, something <clears throat> I wrote about in in my new book. Um, and let me just find it for you um, because I think it re- it really just um, it really. Hold on a second. Let me find it. Um, I really love this line that I wrote. Um, I'm going to find it for you right now. Um, it's so funny. It's like. Uh, Apparently, the, the word snap was written in my new book five times. Um, so this is what I wrote. Um, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of a reading here. It says, winter came. It's funny because when things are great, you become complacent. This is what I was re- referencing earlier. Um, and even a little bit greedy. You're on a ride to the moon, so buckle up and enjoy the ride. But when things are bad, you forget the good times, wallow in self-pity, and can't imagine they'll ever return to the good old days. Many of the early adopters got burnt and promptly fled. Many gave up. Many abandoned ship. Many, I call them cockroaches as a term of endearment because cockroaches are survivors or perhaps you would prefer rats. Move to the next bright and shiny object, AI or artificial intelligence. The cycle always continues, both in terms of hype and hope. Now here's the paragraph. Uh, People have short memories, lack of faith, and ultimately all that is needed is to zoom out to realize It's not really winter in Game of Thrones at all, but just a little cold snap. So instead of hitting the abort button, why not just bundle up, put some logs on the fire, make yourself a hot toddy and wait it out. And I think that's really the case, right? The case is right now is when you're in the middle of it, it it certainly feels like the coldest moment of your lives. I mean, I even even, uh, uh, talk talk about um, um, when I went to uh, Evanston, um, I went to uh, Evanston to um, uh, to look at North uh, at Northwestern at Kellogg when I was thinking of of doing an MBA, and um, I you know I'd never experienced cold like this in my entire life. Um, and then years later, so this was like 1997. Years later, when I went with my daughter looking at colleges, you know, for me, I just found it crisp. You know, suddenly, uh, you know, I was tolerating that cold a lot better. And so in many respects, um, I'm not saying that, like, I mean, listen, you know, it, you, you can't put lipstick on a pig here, and this is like one, one hell of an oinker, um, when, you, when you realize 95% of these collections have, have, a, have a value of zero. Like, that's unbelievable. 
um, how much people, how much money people lost, how much money people made. But the fact is, there was money that went in there, and if there's money that went in there, there's money that can go in there again, right? Um, maybe some people unfortunately lost all their money, but other people will make money, and there will always be speculation. There will always be speculation. And if it isn't in NFTs, then it will be in, you know, tulips or, you know, or, uh, or anything that has been speculative in the past, in our history, hundreds of years ago, if necessary, and hundreds of years into the future, where there's always short-termism and opportunism and the ability to try and test and, and make a quick buck. But we have to look beyond that. We have to look beyond that in, in terms of value, in terms of utility, in terms of Yes, 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 there is a price to pay for being early. And we, many of us, paid the price by actually, you know, not um, applying fundamentals. Because remember, there are two points, right? The first point says, how do you bring integrity to the process of speculation? Um, but at the same time, it actually wasn't, it was it was as much about integrity as it also was about our lack of discipline. So maybe let me change that. How do you bring discipline, and I'm retyping this, and integrity to the process of speculation? We forgot. We checked our discipline at the door. We checked our, you know, the fundamentals at the door. We, you know, we were trusting the untrusted, we had no basis whatsoever to trust someone who wasn't doxxed. And yet, we did that. And we threw good money after bad. And, you know, so is this the end? I refuse, I absolutely refuse to write off NFTs. Because I still see them, to quote Joel Com on my show, an NFT is a key. Uh, I, no, actually, I think he said an NFT is a digital key. Key? Yeah, a digital key, a key that unlocks the magical box, right? It is a key that unlocks the magical box or a magical box. And in that box is utility and, and community and connection and collaboration and Easter eggs and surprise and delight. There's so much that we can offer people. The question is, how do we monetize? And maybe we should just be having an intelligent conversation about monetization, I just um, I gave um, all fifteen hundred um, members of my uh, members people that have signed up to my blog and my own mailing list a month of Substack um, of premium Substack, and now that it's come to an end, um, they have a choice to pay eight dollars to continue to get my content, my premium content per month. Um, I think maybe three or four have at the moment. We'll see about the rest of them. We're it's just a conversation about monetization. It's just a conversation about monetization at the end of the day. What is given away for free or what someone is prepared to pay a price for. What I love and I've always loved about the NFT, you know, powered by a smart contract, is that, number one, there's always a buyer. What that means is even when it is sold out, there's always a buyer. It just depends on the price they're prepared to pay which leads to point number two, the secondary market. There is a marketplace for supply and demand. It is a marketplace, 
and the floor price or the price that someone is willing to or prepared to pay becomes the market value of that NFT or collection. Of course, there are different NFTs with different levels of access uh, that people might be prepared to pay different amounts for. But the floor price is a perfect representation of what the market perceives to be the value of that individual NFT or access point or digital key or community um, or collection. And then the third, and this is something where we've been very misguided, is the is creator royalties. Absolutely key, creator royalties. You know, maybe part of the reason why we've seen some of the decline is some of the very short-sighted decisions by some of the marketplaces like Blur or even OpenSea to take away those creator royalties. Because the advantage of this, and this is, you know, the example always given, which I've always loved and always held to, is if I am an art, let's just say I am an artist. And, you know, my art um, is, and there have been many examples, it's not even a hypothetical example, that, you know, I'm, I'm selling my art in subways and on street corners and practically giving it away and doing, you know, art live on, on the sidewalk for people. Um, and for whatever reason, I, I die or when I die, suddenly I become known or, or, or I become famous um, or my art um, gets really appreciated or for, for whatever reason, while I was alive, I struggled, etc. Or maybe I didn't. Maybe initially I sold a lot of pieces for next to nothing and then my notoriety started to, you know, I finally came into my own later in my career, but then I die and then my art becomes even more valuable. And guess who's making the money? The people that are making the money are the collectors, not the artist or the artist's family. You know, and it's the rich collectors, the rich get richer. You know, and, and, and maybe there are a bunch of people that bought the art for $20 and now it's worth 20000 or bought the art for, you know, $1,000 and it's worth a million dollars. You know, and so, you know, good, you know, kudos to, well, not kudos, but, you know, great if they're people, normal people like you and I. Not so great if they're rich people who actually manage to buy the stuff and take advantage of the artist and, you know, exploit them early on because the artist literally was trying to put food on the table and make ends meet. And now, who's winning? Who wins are the auction houses. Gee, that sounds like open sea and blue, doesn't it? And, 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 and the rich, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. That's not fair. That sucks. That's why you absolutely need, you know, to be able to have creator royalties built into the model. And so, like, here we are all this time later, September 26th, 2023, and we're looking now at 95% of these collections with a market cap of zero. But that doesn't mean that the collections, this doesn't mean that the value is zero, does it? I don't think so. In fact, I tell you, and I said this, again, well over a year ago, a year ago, year and a half ago, and everything I say generally is true or comes true. And I mean it. I'm not just, that's not a flex. It's true. Is that if you are a brand, what I said then is, hey, Brands, don't try and create your own NFT collection. Just find an existing one and invest in it or sponsor it or, or, or buy it. So when you've got all these collect collections now with, you know, with um, 10,000 of these units, these are dormant. It's like a volcano. An NFT, oh, this is good. An NFT is like 
or NFTs, maybe I should just say NFTs are like a dormant volcano. They're just waiting to erupt. They're they're lying in state. They're quiet. They're you know they're they're peaceful at the moment. But the people are still there. The people that bought these NFTs, I've I've got hundreds of them in my collection worth 0.000, but I'm still there. I'm still alive. I'm still a human being. I've still got, you know, the ability to buy and sell and trade and contribute. And so the ability to actually open up that, remember, you know, like to use the analogy again, right? An NFT is a digital key that unlocks a magical box. We just lost the key, maybe. We got to find the key. And then just turn the and open up and open up the box again. Hopefully the box is not Pandora's box. But at the end of the day, the people are still there. The NFTs are still there. All of it is still there. The only thing that isn't there is trading volume. Because, you know, people ran out of money. Which, you know, in retrospect, in and in good faith, they didn't really understand what they were doing. Maybe because they were 23 old bros. Or maybe just everyone at the time said, well, this is how the model works. The model works by you actually fund your, think of it as an NFT collection was essentially a startup. But instead of now, you know, uh, friends and family and angels and whatever, you just launch, you, you, you know, you're flying the plane while building it. You're building the plane mid-air, mid-flight. And so you go out and you sell it and you do the math and guess what? You've got yourself now several hundred thousand dollars or even millions of dollars. And in a perfect world, what you would do is you would invest that back into the community and certainly in terms of executing against your roadmap. That was the whole intent. We, you know, the roadmap was a shot across the bow. It was a, a wish list. It was a, it was a, I mean, that's what it is. It's a roadmap saying this is what we would like to do. This is what we want to do. This is what we're going to do. But we need runway. We need time. We need money. We need resources. And and obviously, two things happened. One is we ran out of money, or maybe we didn't. Maybe actually what happened is we did everything we said we were going to do, but then surprise, surprise, we ran out of money. So it's not like we ran out of money to do the things that we said we were going to do. We did those. But then what? That was the problem. The problem was that there wasn't an expiration date on the sense of ownership. What it should have been was a one-year purchase or one-year value. One of the things that I've done with Alpha Collective is to say that our membership is, you know, based on one year. And people go, well, wait a second, that's not fair, really? That's not fair? That's very fair. One year membership. If it has brought value to you, you will renew for another year. And you may renew it at the same price if you have that offer or whatever the market determines is the value. So if you go in today, for example, to alphacollective.xyz and you know you could buy a pass for $2,500 or one ETH. Um, I wouldn't do that today because... You know, I'm sitting trying to figure out what to do with the collection. I'm not giving up on it, uh, but there's certainly nothing happening. In fact, I don't want you to go and buy one. But if you were to go and buy one, you would pay actually only 1500 or $1,600 because that's the price of ETH. 
and you would get one year's membership. Maybe the Collective Cafe itself becomes completely, even though I've said it's going to stay free, but, you know, I, I also like eating. So what if the Collective Cafe now became, I mean, and Bez and Christopher, you've heard this before, right? What if I did uh, choose to start um, to start charging for it? Would $1,500 be worth it for the entire year? Maybe, maybe not. You know, if you divided that into X number of units and, and there was something else, maybe you'd say it was worth it. If you got an idea out of it that you were able to start a company and make $100 million, you'd definitely say it was worth it. If you end up getting hired or getting a job through it, you'd definitely say it was worth it as well. But the point being that at the end of that year, if now... For whatever reason, I don't know, I was uh, featured on CNBC. My show got picked up on CNBC. And now there's a huge land grab. And now to renew it is not $1,500 or even $2,500, but $10,000. Well, you'd have a choice to make. Did you get $10,000 of value in year one? If you did get $10,000 of value in year one, but you only paid $1,500, well, you got yourself one hell of a deal. $8,500 worth of value. And now to renew a $10,000, well, that would be a decision. And if you couldn't afford it, guess what? Let's go back to rule number one. There's always a buyer. So now you sell it for $10,000. Well, guess what? You got $8,500 of value in your one and you just got another $8,500 because you sold it, but you've lost access. Now, what's happening amidst all of that, what should be happening is that the creator, myself, should be getting 10% of that royalty, should be getting, you know, $1,000, but now that kind of that power has been taken away. That's a huge, huge mistake because it disincentivizes the creator to actually price that or create a model that supports that. It is absolutely almost like a terminal blow. It is a it is a you know devastating blow to the future of NFTs and premium communities that are powered by NFTs. But something else happens as well, is and more importantly, because, and this is why I changed it. I didn't just change it for me. I changed it because I wanted this to, to be, you know, I wanted other people to benefit from it outside. I, I didn't, I, you know, outside of the collection, which is this is how you do it. So now you've got an entire new inflow, influx of people that are renewing, right? Uh, my collection is a thousand, a thousand, but let's say now a thousand people, you know, of the thousand people, let's just say a third of the people choose to renew, right? And two thirds decide to sell. Well, that's fine. That's fine. I, as the creator, end up with an entire new um, you know, inflow, influx of revenue, which pays for salaries, which pays for, you know, technology, which pays for everything, which pays for IRL events. Everyone is essentially a winner as opposed to everyone is a loser. And the problem with the NFT market was that everyone, not everyone, but the majority of people, well, actually 95% of people were big, big losers, I am a big loser. I'm a loser because 95% of the collections that I own are worthless by definition. And you know what? I'm not prepared to pay that tax. 
I mean, I did. I, I, I would have chosen not to. I have paid it, but reluctantly. But I'm not going anywhere because I believe in the model. I believe in the future. I believe in the power of this digital key that unlocks the, a magical box. And I've never seen anything in the world quite like this. Technology plus business model. If you've seen it, I, you know, I challenge you to bring it up. Uh, and share it with me. But there isn't a model where you can join something and then leave at your own free will, on your own free will. Um, and, and, you know, and the money part of it is, is less important. Because, you know, um, it's like if you, if you buy a house and you sell the house 10 years later for even $1 profit, Let's just say inflation adjusted. So I don't know. Let's just say, you know, um, you sell your house 10 years later for an inflation adjusted amount where you break even. But you lived in the house for 10 years. How much value would you put on that? So you're a big winner. I actually took this out the book, um, but I told the story of, of Brian Fanzo of where I heard him listening. Um, I heard I was listening to him you know, talking about how he bought a Playboy Rabbitar and he went. He ended up going to a Playboy party in Times Square during uh, NFT NYC. And he said, who would have ever thunk? Who would have ever believed, you know, I mean, him being uh, a millennial, um, you know, a millennial, you know, growing up, you know, guy. I mean, let's, let's, you know, times were different, but certainly growing up, Hugh Hefner walking around the Playboy mansion with his pipe and his, you know, burgundy or maroon velvet gown. And every guy wanted to be him. Every guy wanted to be hanging around with bunnies, Playboy bunnies running around and, and fawning at our feet. And there was, you know, F Fanzo with his baseball cap backwards at a Playboy party. And he basically made the point, which is even if that NFT went to zero, even if he sold it at a loss, he would have gotten value. He would have felt like he profited you know, or maybe not profited, but he would have felt like it was money well spent. So we got to take all of this, you know, all of these lessons and learnings. Um, and, and, you know, the last part of, uh, of Solis's, of Brian's, um, you know, and, and, and the article itself actually says, um, Dap Gamble sees a potential future for the following NFTs. Um, one is preserving cultural heritage. Two is, uh, it says gaming assets. I think I think there was a typo, gaming assets. Three is token gated access, which by the way is everything, <laughs> okay? Four is fractional ownership, which by the way is the future of everything. That is exactly what I'm doing with my book, right? Which is uh, community capitalism, real estate, which not a small category, Digital identity, not a small category. And then Brian added um, soul-bound assets. I think those one, two, three, four, five, six, seven items are big enough to sustain a massive, massive revival and or renaissance and or marketplace in general. It's enough. Like, what else do you want? I think that's enough. I'll just... Um, paste that as well for you. So, you know, again, we talk about this idea of, of winter is coming, winter has come. Well, what if it is just a cold snap?
What if we just, you know, we, what if we can bring integrity and discipline to the process of speculation? Everything in life is speculation. I mean, when you go work for a startup and you take part of your salary in equity, that's speculation. Everything is speculation. Hell, when you join a company, even, you know, even an entry-level job, you're speculating in part based on how much are you going to learn? How much are you going to gain? How, how, much, you know, how, how much experience are you going to get? How much are you going to grow? Do you think you might stay in this company for the rest of your life and end up running the company? Or most likely, will this help you get headhunted? I always called it a get out of, I, I just called it a get out of jail free card because, you know, you can play the card once. Um, but I always knew when I worked at Ogilvy, when I worked on IBM, that I had that card. I knew because I was working on the, you know, one of the premium accounts in the world, which is IBM Global Brand, that I could play that card anytime I wanted to. And, and I did in the end, and I ended up, you know, uh, being headhunted from earning 40000 to $65,000 in um, late 1998, early 1999. I mean, percentage-wise, I would say it worked out well. Low base, I know, but low base. But the problem is once you play that card, you can't exactly play it again because you don't have it. But also, you know, now that you're at the new company, and you want to jump ship again or want to get headhunted, now it's suddenly you're not exactly the, the hot property. You're now the person that jumps ship regularly. So going back to speculation as well, I mean, they're, you know, that first company that, in fact, paid me the more than 50% increase, they were speculating on me. That someone who came from global brand IBM Ogilvy you know, would come with the with the chops, with the expertise, with the talent, um, you know, and that, that would create maybe some kind of a halo effect. So we're all speculating. Hell, when we get married, we're speculating till death do us part. But that's, you know, sometimes death comes sooner. Sometimes you want death to come sooner. But, I mean, when we look at the divorce rate in, in, <clears throat> in this country, in the U.S. or the world, that's all speculation, you're speculating you're going to be the one out of two that doesn't get divorced. You know, when, when you know that the odds are stacked essentially against you. When you walk into a casino, you speculate. It's all speculation. But how do you bring discipline and integrity to the process of speculation? That's the question. And that's where NFTs have to go now. So I, I appreciate the post. You know, I appreciate the research. You know, but you can interpret this two ways, right? 95% of NFT collections held by over 23... Oh, there's the stat I was looking for. It was right in the headline. 95% of NFT collections held by over 23 million people are now worthless study finds. You see, most people, 95% of people, will look at that headline and read 95% of NFT collections are now worthless. What I see, the 5%, I'm in the 5%, I hope you are too, is held by over 23 million people. That's a market, friends. That's a marketplace, 23 million. Now, I know a lot of those people are gone because they got burnt. They, 
you know, ran away with their tail between their legs. Uh, some of them were even the ruggers themselves. Hopefully not a huge percentage. They generally weren't. They were a small percentage. I mean, we know, you know, all things being equal of the 73,257 collections, if every single one of them was a rug, uh, then then that's 73,000. You know, <laughs> that's not even 100,000. You still got 22.9, you know, million people that held nfts that believed yes that speculated that believed in something i still hold collections that i believe in them i believe in the founders hopefully people will believe in me as well that for every you know 10 people that are gonna or one person that's gonna rug you there are 10 people that won't or you know let's say 9.5 out of every 0.5 those are better odds I, I don't know, do you, when you enter into any relationship, do you look at that person as a potential rugger or do you look at them as a potential, uh, you know, lifetime or, or soul-bound relationship, whether it's a business relationship, a community relationship? I mean, I look at the relationship that Christopher and Bez and I have had now and, and Praxim in our Discord today. We've been going at it now for well over a year. Jen says, well, we've been going maybe a year and a half. We've been going at it for a for a long time now. Is that a soul bound relationship? Maybe, maybe not. You know, again, Bez has taught me about necessary endings. Maybe we'll have a necessary ending. Maybe we won't. But I absolutely believe in that twenty two million. That's the number we should all be looking at. The twenty two million. <clears throat> and. If you believe in the concept of the influentials, one in every 10 Americans tells or informs or influences the other nine, your 22 million is your gateway to 222 million and so on and so forth. That's how you rebuild. Excuse me. That's how the phoenix rebounds from the ashes. That's how it happens. That's how it happens. As I said, many of them are gone, never coming back. But many of them are still here. I'm still here. And more importantly, there'll be new people coming in when it's easier to buy. When, you know, because a lot of those charlatans are gone now, which is a good thing, right? How do you bring discipline and integrity to the process of speculation. And what happens when it's not a process of speculation anymore? What happens when it becomes now the process is not a speculative process? The process is now one of building, of experiencing, of engaging, of community. Do you need to bring discipline and integrity to a process that has discipline and integrity already? And when we're talking and reframing the conversation and talking about community, probably not. That's when we're going to see a completely different a different ecosystem. And I will tell you one thing as well. You know, just because you survived doesn't make you legitimate. This is my final point I want to make today. Just because you survived doesn't make you legitimate. Just because all you are is a survivor. You're a, you're a different kind of cockroach, to use the analogy. You were able to survive no matter what they threw at you. 
You somehow ducked and dived and dodged and ducked and dived and dodged, and you're still here. You get points and credit for still being here. But that doesn't legitimize you or give you any more credibility other than just being able to say you're a survivor. Great. Now what? What is really important, if you want to you know, move from surviving to thriving, you've got to evolve, you've got to adapt. You've got to, you've got to create new rules. You've got, to, you've got to create new rules. That doesn't mean breaking rules, and it also doesn't mean you know, rugging people. It means being able to evolve because the marketplace is different now. You have to adapt over time. And that's okay too, as long as the whole process is, I think, a transparent and a collaborative process. But of those 22 million founders, investors, creators, builders, members, community members, I don't know how many are left. I would hope a lot are left. Or they've left, you know, as opposed to are left. They've left but, you know, could come back at any point in time. We're dealing, you know, like in in this kind of new algo with with Clubhouse where people are not being pinged and you've got this massive club, the startup club with almost a million members. I mean, and here we are. um, And, you know, even launching today's room, we actually end up with... uh, it, it, it's kind of crazy, right? We end up with like four or eight or 12 people when there should be hundreds and hundreds of people because that's how it worked. And and I don't know about you, but like I go into like, the, like last night I went into the hallway, there were like literally two rooms. Is Either there are plenty of rooms available and plenty of choice or there are no rooms and there aren't any people. So which is it? Goes back to the same issue as the NFT marketplace. You know, startup club with, I don't know, a million members. Where are the million? Clubhouse itself had millions, apparently, of users. Where are they? Well, they're not here, but they're still alive. They're still humans, and they could come back at any point in time. It's funny because, as I was saying, when I was going to, like, ping people into the room this morning because, you know, I'm looking at the people, and there are some names that I have not seen on this app for over a year. They're coming back. All it takes is someone to just reactivate their account. All it takes is someone, quite frankly, who um, you know, even deleted the app. Well, all you got to do is just reinstall it. It's not that hard, really, for those people to come back. You know, I'm seeing names that I've not seen on the app in, in well over a year. And they're back because there's a little bit more um, engagement, etc. I'm not saying that this is a, you know, a perfect, um, you know, a perfect harbinger of what's going to happen with NFTs, that everyone's going to come back. They may, they may not. If they do come back, they're going to come back a lot smarter than they used to be. They are going to come back, uh, they're going to come back a lot more, um, disciplined than they were, disciplined. The integrity, well, that really came on the part of maybe the founders and the builders and the creators. The discipline on behalf of the members and the buyers and maybe to a degree 
the founders as well. So we come back a little bit less bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, a little bit less, um, a little bit less green, a little bit less hopeful, a little bit more um, uh, weathered, or uh, or or grizzled, or resilient, or you know tenured, and that's great. A little bit more maturity, a little bit more maturity, a little bit more growth. It's really, really good for a for a marketplace that grows up for NFT 2.0. Maybe that's what we need to start talking about. Maybe what we need to be saying is NFTs are dead. Long live NFTs. NFT 2.0, beta, new and improved. Now with fresh minty breath that's what i just wrote into our discord maybe and maybe not we'll see have an amazing tuesday everyone uh chris and bez thank you for running our session yesterday maybe you can tell us about it in no agenda friday um i will not be here tomorrow again i um, i'm actually uh, presenting at a chamber breakfast so um i will be pinging our regulars um, Praxim, uh, Chris, Bears, if you want to run the session in our Discord, please do that. For those of you that are here, if you want to attend tomorrow, Wednesday, um, all you got to do is go to discord.gg forward slash alpha collective, uh, click on the collective cafe button, and uh, I will probably pop in at some point because I'm presenting at 7 a.m. at a chamber breakfast. It probably will be done by 8, 8 15. So I'll jump in at some point. But have an amazing Tuesday, everyone. And uh, I will see you soon. Bye. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.